0: Well, if I thought that it was difficult to figure out what to preach last Sunday, it was a little more difficult to decide what subject to pick today. I thought we would start off with a uh, discussing in my sermon about a representative who prayed his prayer and at the end of it said, Amen and a women But then the week didn't get any better. And so I want us to think about what's causing all of these things. You can go down the road and listen to the radio, and occasionally you'll hear a commercial for rations, uh, things that you can buy that will last 25 years in storage. And so if you buy enough of those, you don't have to worry about food. That when everything goes down to tubes, guess what? You'll still be able to eat. And if you save enough water, you'll be prepared. And I don't know if there's any preppers in here, and if you are a prepper, that's your business. But the point they're trying to make is, when things go wrong, you need to be prepared. And that was really our topic last Sunday, when we looked back at 2020 and we looked forward into 2021, that we need to be prepared for the judgment. But I think that we also need to be prepared for something else. If you have your Bibles, turn to Amos. Amos chapter 8. And I'll give you a few seconds there to get to Amos. Amos isn't an easy one to find because it's kind of small and stuck in the back there or in the middle. But in Amos chapter 8, God through Amos warns the children of Israel of a different kind of famine. He says, beginning in verse 11, Amos chapter 8, verse 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the, word of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Amos in this particular verse of Scripture is not saying that the Scriptures would be destroyed. That there would not be the Word of God that was in print, but that there would be no word of prophecy. And we know that God through the prophets oftentimes sent warnings and, and, and information through the prophets that He wanted conveyed to His people. And Amos is saying God has, has told him that there's going to be a time when that's not going to happen. That you're going to seek that and it's not going to be there. Why? Because there's going to be a famine of his word, there are times in the history of Israel where we can see that access to the Scripture was almost non-existent. In fact, we read not too long ago and studied about when the Scripture was found, that it had been, I guess, hidden or put away where no one knew where it was at, and then it was discovered, and they began to read it. And they realized that there were some changes that they needed to make. Now I know through the history of the church, there are times when the Word of God just did not seem very important. And thus we see various groups that have split off from the church that we read about in the New Testament to start denominations and different things because something that was taught or something that was done, they didn't approve of and they wanted to change it. I believe that that's happening again where people have turned away from God's Word. And so I want us to look at something this morning, three different areas, that I think will help us to prepare for that famine. Because we need to be ready for it when it takes place, if it's not already taking place right now. You see, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. Here we see a passage of Scripture that kind of refers to the Scripture as food. And we see other passages of Scripture, and we're going to look at those things. But here we see that when someone obeys the Gospel, they need to have a desire for God's Word. And then we see in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, where it says, Blessed are ye when ye, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That baby, when it's hungry, it's going to let you know that it, it, it wants to be fed. And the same is true with us when we are hungry physically. What do we want to do? We want to stop at a restaurant. We want to go into the kitchen, open a refrigerator, go to the cupboard, see what's in there. Then we can eat. We want something to eat. And the same is true as if we're outside and we're hot or we're working inside and we we, we get overheated or or we, uh, you know, uh, we just become thirsty. What do we want to do? We want to get something to quench that thirst. And here the Bible tells us that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Now, where do we find out what's righteous? We know what is righteous because God's Word tells us what is righteous. And so if we're hungering, thirsting for righteousness, we need to go to God's Word, which leads us to, to to the point that God's Word is something that you and I and this world needs to feast upon. John chapter six, beginning in verse thirty-three, it says, "But the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world." Then shall they. Then said they unto Him, "Lord, evermore give us this bread." And then down in verse thirty-five of that same chapter, Jesus said unto them, "I am the bread of the life. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst." In John chapter 1, we realize that Jesus is the Word. He's the Word, and, and nothing was created without Him. And so that Word, which is what He tells us in John chapter 12, of verse 48, that the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. So the Word of God is something that you and I and the world needs to be feasting upon, but yet the world doesn't care. Many in the world don't care what the Bible says. They don't care about God. And in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, beginning there in verse 12, And when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, that are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And then down in verse 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so, just like a, a child that comes into the world, that infant that comes into the world, at one point it is it is fed on milk, but then we understand that that child should grow and mature to a point where they want to feast on something a little more has a little more substance than just that milk. And so we introduce other foods to that child. And the same is true with God's Word. There are some things that are for us when we are a newborn baby Christ, but as we grow and mature, we should be able to discern the things that God wants us to know and understand that He's given us in His Word. And so I don't think that I'm stepping out on a limb when I say that we need to be feasting on the Word of God. Now, it's easy to say that and it's easy to talk about it, but how many of us really hunger and thirst for the righteousness that God has? That God can give us? That God can fill us with? You see, one of the problems that we have in our nation, and we've got a lot of problems, but the biggest problem is this. We have lost our appetite for the Word of God. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7, The full soul loatheth a honeycomb. But to the hungry, every soul to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now you think about that, how true that is. That when you're full, you can be offered the best food, and if you're not hungry and you have no desire for food, guess what? You don't want it. Why? Because you're full. You've been satisfied. And so there's no piece of cake, there's no piece of pie, there's no donut, there's nothing that you want to eat on top of that because you're full. But if you're starving to death, if you are hungry, guess what? Anything, no matter how bitter it is, is something that you're going to eat. What's the point that Solomon is trying to make? What's the point that we can glean from this? Is that there's things in God's Word that may be tough to swallow. It may be bitter for us because our life's not right with God and we need to make changes in our life. Or there's things in there that are taught that we don't like. But if we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we're going to eat those things. Why? Because we're hungry for what God wants us to do. People in our world or in our nation are not refusing to feast upon God's Word because they're filled with it. It's because they've lost their appetite for it. They no longer have a desire for it. I don't want to pick on any one group, but us boomers in Generation X have feasted on the wrong things. Many have feasted on materialism, humanism. That's make me feel good. I'm going to do whatever makes me feel good. And the health and wealth preaching that I've talked about in the past, and all of those have resulted in a third generation that is biblically illiterate. I read some statistics and the statistic that I looked at said 87% of the households in this country have a Bible. In fact, what the survey said that the average number of Bibles in each household is 3. The 37% of the population reads it at least once a week. Thirty-nine percent of the millennials, those that are born after 1980, thirty-nine percent have never read it. That should scare us. That people aren't teaching their children the Word of God and showing them that, wh- or showing them why the Bible is important, why God's Word is important to us, and yet we wonder what's wrong. We all, how many of us get caught up in, in what's going to happen or how bad our, 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 our bank account is going to be affected? Or what rights and freedoms we're going to lose, but yet we don't even think about God's Word. Only 35% believe that the Bible contains everything that a person needs to know to live a meaningful life. Those statistics should bother all of us. There's a lack of appetite for God's Word in our country. Oh, you may hear them use it every once in a while. Somebody use a Scripture to justify what they want. Sometimes you know they don't really have a knowledge of what that Scripture's for or what it means. It's not just the millennials. How many of us As God's people, read God's Word on a daily basis. What kind of appetite do we have for God's Word? It's easy to stand up here and say, what's wrong with everybody? But look at the Bible. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us what the problem is in this world. How many want to search that? God's not going to force-feed any nation or any person. The New Testament is God's final words to this world. Just as Noah was, per, was preaching the final message of God to the world in the days of, of building that ark, God didn't force people to listen and obey. In Genesis chapter three or six and verse three it says the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh yet his day shall be a hundred and twenty years so during that time that Noah was uh, preparing the ark he preached not only by his words but by his example he preached to people no one listened no one obeyed except Noah his wife his three sons, and their wives. They were the only ones that went on the ark. They had lost their appetite too for God. A lot of people there, on the, the rest of the world obviously, had lost their appetite for God. They want didn't want to do what was right. They didn't want to repent. They didn't want to change. And I think that we see this principle played out in Acts chapter 28. Because on that occasion in Acts chapter 28... We see where Paul went to the Jews in Rome. And he preaches to them the truth of God's Word. Now listen what it says beginning in verse 23. And when they had appointed Him a day, there came many to Him into His lodging, to whom He expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law and of Moses, and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which he had spoken, which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, the prophet, unto your father, our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of the people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying that Isaiah is telling us that there's going to be people that listen or hear it, but that it's not going to sink in. They're going to see it, but it's not going to register. Why? Because they don't want it to. And that's the problem that we have in our society today. People don't want to see what God's Word says. They don't want to hear what God's Word said. And so they don't want to listen to it. And it's really sad. Because God offers us so much. Did He force them to listen? Did God force them to hear it and obey it? No. Did God have the power to do that? He most certainly does have the power to do that. But He created us to choose. And unfortunately, many are choosing to turn away from God. In Acts chapter 28, verse 28, it says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Brethren, somebody else will listen. If you won't listen, somebody else might. But the vast majority of people don't want to listen to what God says. In Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, If My people which are called by My name shall humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I believe that today. Well, oh, I know this is an Old Testament passage, and I know that it's directed to the children of Israel at the time the Old Testament was written. But I believe that if people will repent and turn to God, that He will heal their nation. Peter tells us in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34 of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth Him and worketh righteousness is accepted with Him. So if we fear God, that means we respect God. If we are fearful and obedient to Him, then we're we're going to be right. Oh, everything may not go well for us. There may be some problems in this world. We may still get sick. We may still lose jobs. We may still have difficulties dealing with people and personalities. But guess what? We'll be right and accepted by God. And that's really what matters the most in this life, being accepted by God. We've got it messed up in our world. We want to be accepted by this group or that group, and we forget about the most important person, the most important deity in us, our Heavenly Father. I still with all of my heart believe that the answer to all of this problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek from therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to stop right there. Because we know that if we're righteous, we're accepted of God. How do we know what's righteous? God's Word. And the Gospel is what reveals that righteousness to us. And if we're, we, we have no appetite for God's Word, how could we ever expect to be righteous and accepted by God? Can this nation ever change? How can this world ever change until people want to humble themselves and listen to the Word of God and obey it? So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel because that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now listen to what he says as he goes on because he's told us the answer. The answer to this problem is the gospel. Verse 18, same chapter. but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Yeah. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served a creature more than the Creator." who is blessed forever amen for this cause god gave them up unto their vile affection that for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature and likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their own or burned in lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and as, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which it was met And even as they did not like to return God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of evil or envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, boasts, are proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without, natural, uh, without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do they. When we turn away from the Gospel, when we turn away from the God, when we turn away from the Word of God, those things start to happen. And do we see that in our nation? Do we see that in our world today? Where people have turned away from God, has it gotten any better? I've heard people on the radio say, you know, if we could just get rid of religion, the world would be a better place. Would it? Would it be a better place? I think not. Because God created this world, God created man, and God's Word is here to direct us in our footsteps. And so we need to follow Him. The world's not going to be a better place. You look at history. It's filled with people who once had access to the Word of God, but they closed their ears to it. They turned away from it, and now their countries are spiritual wastelands. And there's some on the planet today that are in that condition. So what are we doing to prepare for that famine? We cannot count on the government. We can't count on somebody else to make sure that our children's children will survive a famine in this, of, this, of His Word. We need to act. And we must act. And we must act in our own backyards. Why? Because we cannot rely on someone else to teach our children and our grandchildren the Word of God. We live in a religious world where people want to be fed things that make them feel good. They don't like the truth of God's Word and there are some people in the Lord's church that are the same way. They don't like what the Bible says. They want to feel good. They want to do what they want. want, there, There are people that want to believe, but they want it to be easy. They want forgiveness without requirement, without the requirement of repentance. In other words, take me just as I am and I'm going to stay the way I am and you are going to accept it. And they have that attitude with God. They want life they want to be baptized <clears throat> but they don't want to have that commitment that it takes to be faithful to God for the rest of their lives. When the Bible says that the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing, it doesn't mean that he went on his way rejoicing and forgot everything else that he was supposed to do. He went on his way rejoicing, and I believe he went on his way doing what he was supposed to do. Which is what the Bible teaches us that we are to do. They don't want to hear about living a disciplined life. They want forgiveness without confession. They want the grace and mercy that God offers. But they don't want to take up their cross daily and follow our Lord. In other words, they want a painless religion. I want my grandchildren and your grandchildren to hear what they need to do in order to be faithful to God. I want them to hear what they need to do in order to be saved. I want them to hear what they need to do according to the Bible on how to be saved and how to worship God acceptably. I want them to hear the Word of God on how they're supposed to live their life in order to be found faithful in the end. I want them to read in the Bible about heaven and they make that their priority in life. Not all the other things. Yeah, all the other things are good and good to participate in. But sometimes we forget that number one priority, and that's to put God first. So, what do we do? As parents and grandparents, we teach them what they need to know. We teach them the Word of God. Don't rely on the religious world, don't rely on the government. Don't rely on me or somebody else to do it for you. Take the responsibility yourself. I'll try to do what I'm supposed to do. But take care of it in your own backyard. Listen to the words of Moses. <clears throat> As he writes in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Beginning in verse 18. Therefore shall you lay up These my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them to your children, speaking of of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest it by the ways, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thy house, and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. What's God telling Moses? As parents, we need to teach our children. Teach them what the Bible says. Don't rely on somebody else. You do it. When they get up, you do it. When you sit down, you do it. When you lay down, you do it. You do it all the time. Why? Because it's that important. Start while they're young. Don't wait till they're adults. (coughs) Start while they're young. Teach them what the Bible says. What they need to do. How they need to worship. How they need to obey the Gospel. Teach them all the things that God wants us to know. You say, well, does that mean they're going to be faithful? No, it doesn't. But you've done what you're supposed to do. You've taken care of that famine. Because you put the Word of God in their heart, and that Word, although it may not be practiced, is still planted in that mind. It's still there. For example, I read this story about prisoners of war that were in Vietnam. And the story came out how, how men endured six, seven, eight years in prison under the most terrible conditions. They were served rotten food. They lived in isolation. There was varmints. Perhaps most devastating of all, there was no light. And I'm sure if you're old enough, you've seen pictures and you've seen videos of those kind of camps where that actually took place. They were in almost total darkness trying to barely exist day after day in that darkness. And some of them that were in one small cell began to reach down into the recesses of their memories and to reconstruct as best they could the words of the Bible. They recited and they quoted to one another. <clears throat> they corrected one another's recall. And day by day, slowly but surely, they reconstructed those verses. And they had a sizable amount of the Scripture They had no text. They had no tape players. It was just their memories that each one of them had from when they were younger. These soldiers found that because they had spent some time walking in the light, spent some time learning God's Word, that they had the light that would guide them through that dark, darkest hour. God's Word is there for you and me. And it can be that way for each one of us. Don't let that light fade. But if you do, if it does, that Word's still there. You see, sometimes we, we are doing something we know we shouldn't and a Scripture comes to mind, something comes to mind that we know we're not supposed to, and we push it back to try to make ourselves comfortable. But Sometimes that Scripture keeps coming back. So I want to encourage each one of us with all the problems that's going on, Make sure that we prepare our children, the next generation, and our grandchildren, the next generation, to know and to understand the Word of God. That's how important it is. You look at our world, ask yourself without God, without the Scripture, would we be better off? I think we're trying that experiment. We're trying to get God out of the picture as much as we possibly can. We don't want to talk about the Bible. If we do talk about the Bible, it's for our own good. Not not to benefit anyone, but it's our own selfishness. So we need to be careful. That's my message this morning. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.